From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Michelle Cordero, and this is Heritage Explains. Last week, as I drove to work, stuck in traffic and listening to the news, there was a lot of coverage on Hurricane Florence. Podcasts that traveled back in time to Hurricane Harvey, bringing up lessons about what we could learn moving forward. Morning updates on the force of the storm and amounts of rain we should expect. Announcements on what citizens in affected areas should be doing to prepare and protect themselves and their families and local businesses. But also, there was some straightforward, matter-of-fact reporting on how Hurricane Florence was happening because of climate change. So this is a pretty good moment to pose a question. What makes a hurricane especially strong? NPR's Rebecca Hersher is here to answer that and more. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning. What makes a strong hurricane? Heat, especially hot oceans. Heat. Yeah. So when the water in the oceans gets hotter, which is happening because of global warming, it's like fuel for a hurricane's engine. It's spinning up, gaining strength. So you can think of it as a hot bath. Florence is slowing down as a consequence, to some degree at least, from climate change. Uh, there is evidence to support that storm systems, hurricanes, are slowing down in the coastal plain due to climate change. So that's one thing. Storms slow down, they produce more rainfall. When water temperatures rise, and we see that with climate change, that also produces more rainfall. Air temperatures are higher, they can actually hold more water vapor, they drop more rain. What we're seeing now with Florence, we have seen in the wildfires in California, in the heat waves in Europe. Europe and in the rise of the ocean in small islands around the world. This is all part of the same issue. These are all symptoms of climate change that are happening right now. Climate change has shifted these statistics. Um, we're getting much more frequent and more severe flooding, much heavier rain events, and we're now getting about twice as many record-breaking extreme heat events as extreme cold. The statistics are shifting. We need to plan for this, this shifting future. Radley Horton of Columbia University, thank you very much. The blatant bias left me scratching my head. Had I missed something? How can one side, the media in this case, be so clear on what the data says? Yet another side, conservatives, who read the same data, see something completely different. Today, we're talking with Heritage's Nick Loris to help explain what you won't hear in the mainstream media. The truth about the effect climate change actually has on natural disasters. Nick is Heritage's Herbert and Joyce Morgan Fellow in Energy and Environmental Policy. And you just might have even seen him debate Bill Nye the Science Guy on CNN. Hey, Nick, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, so Nick, true or false, there's been an increase in hurricanes over the past 50 years. False. Uh, if you look at the science from both the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which uh, is certainly not any type of denier science. It's what Al Gore and the like hail as the magnum opus of climate literature. Uh, so if you look at this IPCC report uh, that they put out examining uh, these types of issues, there have been no, uh, no trend in both uh, – frequency or intensity of hurricanes or a lot of other natural disasters. Have they been decreasing? Uh, in, in some years they have, yeah, and in some regions they have as well. Uh, so uh, again, that's a, another important point uh, is to actually look at the trends over a, a longer period of time. So if you're looking back uh, 
over a century ago, yes, there's been a, a slight decline globally. Uh, what you've seen in recent media reports is that they will cherry pick endpoints and say, you know, since 1980 or so, you've seen an increase. Um, and yes, that's true. But if you're looking at longer term trends, uh, even with increased CO2 emissions, that there's been slight declines in hurricane activity. Okay, so what about the explanation that these hurricanes are happening more often and are worse because the ocean is warming because of global warming? That the warmer temperatures of the water is what fuels hurricanes. Is that true? No, and in a lot of senses, the science is still out on some of this because it's so recent. Uh, and there's conflicting literature in the scientific community as to what this increased uh temperature and uh, increased ocean temperature has done towards just the the size and magnitude uh, of hurricanes. Uh, but there, there's climatologists, um, Cliff Mass at, at Massachusetts Amherst, who's done a, a lot to look into this issue uh, and really has shown that even as uh, temperatures have increased and even though uh, ocean temperature has increased and, and uh, sea levels have risen, uh, although not toward any point where it's uh, looking like it's going to be catastrophic levels of sea level rises, um, that we're not really seeing the intensity of these storms uh, as a result of man-made CO2 emissions um, increase. Okay, so, but then why do we keep hearing this? We have data, right? We keep records on how strong and how often these storms happen. We do. And, and, again, and is, it, is it good data? It, it Some is good. Some is not so good. Uh, if you look at some of the trends, again, not, not just from the IPCC, um, but the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, uh, which is a mouthful to say, NOAA. NOAA. Yeah, yeah, that's easier. Um, you know, they've looked at trends over a longer period of time uh, with pretty reputable data. And, and again, this is where you see even in the Atlantic Basin, you've seen, a, I think it's been a 25 percent de- decrease uh, in hurricane activity. Uh, so, you know, these trends uh, in some instances have actually been positive, even though we've been increasing our CO2 emissions. And so the reason that we keep hearing this um, isn't all too unsurprising. It's to have this emotional connection that we need action on climate change, um, particularly that we need to restrict the use of coal, oil, and natural gas, which provide 80% of America's energy needs and provide 80% of the the world's energy needs. In fact, Bill McKibben, who's a climate activist, said that the only way we're going to meet our goals for the the Paris Climate Accord um, to to moderate global temperatures is to keep all of that oil, coal, and natural gas in the ground, which would come at a huge, huge cost. Uh, And even then, it would be questionable as to whether it would make any meaningful impact uh, on the global climate, given the natural variability of it. So you're saying that even if we found out a way as a world to cut carbon emissions, we don't know what that would do for hurricanes or floods. Yeah, you know, they're they're called natural disasters for a reason, uh, because they're natural. And we're going to see uh, natural disasters in the future. Um, and the question is, how can we be better prepared to protect against them? Um, the, the science has been great in terms of uh, detecting when they're going to hit 
um, where they're going to hit and their magnitude, uh, which has really helped communities better prepare for natural disasters. But whether we uh, cut our emissions, our CO2 emissions in half or reduce them down to zero, um, you're talking about averting a few hundredths of a degree uh, Celsius in terms of global temperatures by the year 2100. Um, you know, maybe a few tenths of a degree Celsius of averted warming by the end of the century. So even if there is a strong connection, uh, which the science says that there's not, between greenhouse gas emissions and increased uh, natural disasters, a lot of these climate policies, if not all of these climate policies, would do virtually nothing to protect against future natural disasters. Another heritage expert, David Kreutzer, recently wrote an op-ed citing conclusions drawn by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, an arm of the United Nations. The IPCC recently wrote that no robust trends in the annual numbers of tropical storms, hurricanes, and major hurricane counts have been identified over the past 100 years in the North Atlantic Basin. They also report that there have been no observed trends in global tropical cyclone frequency over the past century either. Yet just minutes later in my research for this podcast, I came across a Vox Explainer video citing the same IPCC paper, but with a different take. The discrepancies still weren't adding up. I decided to push Nick a little further into understanding how two sides could be seeing things so differently. More on this after a short break. Looking for a short morning podcast to give you the news of the day without liberal bias? The Daily Signal podcast is a rundown of the top stories you need to know that the mainstream media is probably ignoring. Do you have an opinion that you'd like to share? I'm Rob Bluey, Editor-in-Chief of The Daily Signal, and I'm inviting you to share your thoughts with us. Leave us a voicemail at 202-608-6205 or email us at letters at dailysignal.com. Yours could be featured on The Daily Signal podcast. How does this happen? How do we have one report where I have a quote where they're saying there's no proof that things are changing, and yet Vox reads the same report and comes out with this video that has millions of views? Yeah, again, I think part of it is cherry-picking endpoints. So even though there is so much natural variability in natural disasters and hurricanes being one of those where there's a, a tremendous amount of natural variability, even as CO2 emissions have risen globally. Uh, if you cherry pick endpoints, you can really try to make any story come true um, and then use that as the data point to justify costly and ineffective policies. And again, because this is such a an emotional issue for people, you know, I'll a big part of the problem for the left is that their projected costs of climate change uh, a lot of times aren't until decades or centuries into the future. This is a way to bring that to the forefront for them and talk about it today. And you, this is you know, effectively what Al Gore did with Hurricane Katrina. And then, of course, came Katrina. It's worth remembering that when it hit Florida, it was a Category 1 but it killed a lot of people and caused billions of dollars worth of damage. And then what happened? Before it hit New Orleans, it went over warmer waters. As the water temperature increases, 
the wind velocity increases and the moisture content increases. And you'll see Hurricane Katrina form over Florida. And then as it comes into the Gulf over that warm water, it picks up that energy and gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Look at that hurricane's eye. So anytime there's, you know, a natural disaster, it's kind of that uh, Rahm Emanuel quote of never let a crisis go to waste. And that's uh, if you can justify it by cherry picking endpoints and say, look, this is what the science says. And uh, we know we're going to see more frequent and intense natural disasters because we've looked at the data from 1970 to 2018 or whatever the case may be. Um, But that doesn't give the full picture of what the science is saying. And I think what's even um, more problematic is that, again, this is, you know, the scientific literature um, that they tend to use when justifying their policies. It's the IPCC. It's NOAA. This is, you know, our federal government's data. This is the international climate science community's data. Uh, and they ignore the, the whole picture uh, and just cherry pick to justify uh, really what would be costly, costly policies. Yeah, we even have a, a really great chart that we've taken from a paper that you wrote that shows the fluctuations in climate change over the past, you know, I think thousands of years. But you could cut that chart off at any point and make it look more dramatic at one point than another than seeing the whole picture. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, looking back, you know, we've been in a warming trend, you know, since the last little ice age. Uh, and, you know, that. It's 160 years now that we've been in a warming period. And so you could even cut snapshots of that and say, look how much we've experienced warming in the past 160 years uh, or you know, over the past 30 to 40 years. Um, but if you look at actually uh, how much of that warming is being driven by man-made CO2 emissions, uh, that's certainly a, a big question up for debate in the scientific community. It's something called equilibrium climate sensitivity. And that's uh, a wonky phrase to basically say, how much warming are we going to get when we double CO2 emissions in the atmosphere? Uh, and so there are some climatologists who think that will be uh, three to four and a half degrees Celsius. And they use all these models to project um, that ECS distribution. And it looks like we're going to head towards some catastrophic uh, climate scenarios. Uh, and there's other research in the climate community that says, no, it could be closer to one and a half to two degrees Celsius. Uh, and then you don't have any scary climate scenarios. And, and, you know, the lower equilibrium climate sensitivity papers are, are yeah, again, aren't papers that are being published on some random wackos blog. You know, these are peer reviewed literature uh, in scientific journals, uh, done by credible climatologists. So having that discussion as to how the climate is changing and why uh, is certainly important, and we want to better understand how the climate is changing. Uh, But at the same time, it makes no sense to move forward with very, very costly policies that even if we knew where the climate science literature told us we were going today, would have no meaningful impact on averting global warming. Last question. Let's just pretend you're on the metro. Let's say it's this past Friday and you're headed home and the person next to you says, wow, this is terrible. Hurricane Florence, this is because of global warming. 
How, what's your elevator pitch? What would you respond to them? How would you, in a civil way, explain that's not true? First, I would point to the science to say that actually, no, if you look at the trends, this isn't because we are driving cars or um, using air conditioning in the summertime. You know, we've seen a lot of natural variation uh, in hurricanes and other natural disasters. And two, what do you want to do about it? Do you want to restrict the use of fossil fuels that provide 80% of our affordable, reliable energy and divert resources to things that will only drive up the price for American families and businesses and do little to actually mitigate warming? Or should we divert resources to better understanding how we can protect against climate change and natural disasters? Uh, because I think there are things that we can do at the state and local level um, to, to help communities better prepare uh, for natural disasters and for a changing climate. Uh, but this notion that the Trump administration uh, is complicit uh, in Hurricane Florence, as the Washington Post said, uh, is just nonsensical. Um, just because we have this intention of getting out of the Paris Climate Accord or he's uh, the Trump administration is freezing uh, the Obama administration's costly fuel economy mandates. I mean, these are... Um, costly policies that were only symbolic in nature in terms of combating climate change. So it's not complacency. It's having rational resets to regulatory overreach from the Obama administration um, that were would do nothing to have any impact on climate change, which is a very long elevator <laughs> pitch. And probably yeah, he probably... would have gotten off the metro about four stops ago. But at the same time, that's what I would say. Thank you so much, Nick. Thanks for having me. Please share our show with your friends on social media and subscribe. It's the only way for people to find us and listen. And conservatives really need your support in the podcasting world. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by Thalia Rampersad. 